views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. The show can hit topics like trade wars, investing, insurance, retirement. I got asked by an anchor on Channel 4 Cron Television who's probably 45, she asked me, what sort of life insurance do I need? I'm like, you're a 45-year-old professional. You should probably have a concept of this by now. Well, they don't teach it in college. They don't teach it in high school, unless you go to a special college, right? So some people just never pick it up. I was like, term life. And I'm like, let's start there. You're going to work for another 20 years. So let's insure your income from 45 to 65, just in case your heart explodes up. Who needs your income? And the first question is, does anyone need your income? And if the answer is no, you don't need life insurance. When I was 25 and single and living in the city, causing all sorts of craziness and antics at night, I had one person visit me five minutes after another person left. It was crazy. It was like life was boom, 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 boom. Just going forward, right? If I died, no one needed my money. No one that I cared about because I didn't care about people. I cared about people. I should be careful how I say that. But you get the idea. I don't want to be the guy who leaves money to his sister. I don't want to be the guy who leaves money to his cat. But once you get married and, and have kids, you start wanting to think, do they need my income? And if the answer is yes, you need to insure your income. And how do you insure your income from you know dying too fast or dis- either disability insurance or life insurance? Because if you get disabled, you may not be able to work. Can't really be oversold. It's typically done to 60% of your salary, which is pretty set. It's pretty scientific on mathematic on how many people end up collecting insurance it's just like going to a carnival i love the alameda county fair i love fairs there's something magical about the crap food the horse races and you know when i say crap food i'm saying it's awesome awesome it may not be good for you but it's awesome awesome so there's a great youtube video of a guy who tries to figure out carnival games and he starts breaking them down into, like, skill, the games where you throw something. Luck, the games where the ball's just as big as, you know, the uh, bottle it's trying to fit in. 
And he was surprised. He paid people to watch the games all day long. And it, it, tend, it tended to be pretty consistent. One in ten winners. Uh, pretty common. So what I'm trying to get out here, if I can you know, pull this off, and I don't know if I can, is your odds of dying, the insurance company knows. Your odds of being disabled, the insurance company knows. So they'll insure 100 people they think three people are going to get disabled. They'll insure 100 people they think one person's going to die early and collect and win. So insurance companies aren't in the business of losing money, which is interesting because I think we should consider what some other countries do is have three or four insurance companies, but let them pool their losses together at the end of the year when there is catastrophic years. So if one company escapes unscathed and one company goes down hard, it doesn't give that one company who went unscathed a huge advantage in the future. You have to have a lot of work going into that kind of concept, but you get the idea. It's all about statistics. Carnival games are all about statistics. Insurance is all about statistics. So incredibly successful 45-year-old news anchor asked me, you know, do I need life insurance or do I get whole life insurance? I'm confused. And back in my day, I would have said, hello, it's good to dinner and talk about it. But I can't do that. I'm done with that. Those days are over. Um, but I still have to give her an answer. So I was like, okay, do you have kids that would need your income? Yes. So you need a life insurance right there. Boom. Now you start getting into whole life, variable life and term life. I had a grandmother lived 92 and grandfather lived 91, 90 ish. The kicker over dead, right? Do you think their children needed money? No. Because they're 70 years old. Do you think their grandchildren needed money? Do you think grandchildren should... Like, no. So somewhere around 60, grandparents should have stopped paying for life insurance. Because they had a farm. They had a house. They had a retirement fund. They had cash. So you don't need that life insurance anymore. Because people don't need your income in case you die. So you start with children, you look at your spouse, does your spouse need your money if you die? If you have a stay-at-home spouse and you work, yeah, the answer is yes. And even opposite, if you have a stay-at-home spouse, maybe that person needs an insurance term life. Not a lot, but enough so that I can grieve, take time off if I'm the breadwinner. Look at my kids and say, you know, I love you guys and sorry mom died. I'm going to go marry some young hot thing. No, 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 no. Don't say that. Not until she's at least six feet under um, and cold. But you get the idea. I want to take time off for my family when a loved one dies. It doesn't have to be a million dollars. It doesn't have to be $10 million. But I may not ever want to go to work again. I, I want that freedom to, to say, let's go for a hike today. Let's tell our favorite mom stories. Or let's tell our favorite dead mom stories. Like, do you, Is this too dark? Did I go off the deep end? Behave yourself. Anyhow, I, I, I tried to do a show on that kind of concept. And we talk a lot about millennials. But in this case, we're talking about a Generation X woman who should know better. She should know about that simple thing. Now, again, fortunately, she hasn't died. That's the winner, right? But she's also coming late to the game. So they're going to say, 
it's going to be a little bit more expensive to start. So you don't need whole life. Like I said, my grandparents, they died with assets. You don't need whole life if you're going to accumulate assets, save, and invest. At 92 years old, it would have been pretty ridiculous to be paying life insurance your whole life. And if you don't pay it, guess what the insurance company does? They cancel it on you. Because they ain't going to put up with that kind of nonsense. So when I'm asked by a 45-year-old woman, does she need life insurance? I'm like, I'm, I'm stunned. I'm guffawed. But the answer is, yeah, if you have an income that people need. Now, I can say this comfortably without being a jerk. I'm, I'm, I'm financially comfortable. Do I need life insurance? Not likely. If I started a business with a partner and I were to die or he were to die, you do have life insurance in place, typically term life. I don't know any financial planner that has whole life or variable life. I just know people who have term life. So you basically start with that concept of like, that's a way for me to sell my business if I die accidentally. That's the way for the business to continue to go forward. And if you look at businesses as human beings, which again, the IRS does, you should have some life insurance if you own a company so that your partner doesn't go down just because you went down so that when you go down, you don't, your spouse doesn't sue the company. Or if you're a key man, there's key man insurance. How much does it cost to replace a key man? It's, if you're a rainmaker on a $10 million company, it's huge. If you're a rainmaker on a $100 billion company, not so much. you got to start thinking for yourself and not asking me these questions. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Shovels and dirt, shovels and dirt Well, it ain't worth living if you don't get hurt I got a head full of darkness and darkness is good Cause if we all die young then we don't get hurt right. We're making financial sense of your portfolio now Back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. So one of the listeners of the show, you because I want to get on stage and sing along with a song. And I'll go, darkness is good. And I'll just, someone has to do me a favor and get me on stage so I can be a backup singer. I've done the stand-up thing, bucket list, done. Now I want to be a backup singer. And there's a listener of the show, get this, one of the guitar players from Night Ranger. And I feel awful asking for a favor. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And you don't have to introduce me. It doesn't have to be a lot of drama. I just want to get in the background of a band in front of a huge audience. And, you know, I don't know if Night Ranger pulls huge audiences, but they probably do pretty well. And I'll do a little Sister Christian. Or maybe I'll just, like, wait. I'll do jazz hands in the back. Right? I don't have to sing. Give me a, a tambourine. I'm good. I'm not... I, and if you're bigger than Night Ranger, screw Night Ranger. I'll take with the bigger band. I, if you can get... I, 
Uh, ABBA? Like, hold on, let's see. Uh, up in the sky. And I, like, I'll, give me an instrument, I'll pretend to play it. I'm not asking for a lot. Okay, so maybe I'll do a little air guitar and come out a wave. Okay, so maybe I might start dancing with the lead singer. I promise to be on my best behavior. I can't promise completely that I won't fail. Can someone pull that off for me? Oddly enough, I get the feeling we can't play Night Ranger due to the uh, royalties issues. I'm picky like that. I want to do. I want the best song, and just in the background, I'll go. What's the thing you want to do? I know people that want to go to Vegas and ride around a racetrack in a NASCAR. They have that. Are you a little speed demon? Do you get a little Jones for it? One of the things I want to do when I'm in college or when I'm retired is go back and listen to lectures in college. And there's ways that you can do that for free, like sneaking in. And there's ways that you can do it, like just monitoring it and talking with you know the professor or the dean. But do you have something that's going to keep you busy? It's one of the biggest questions that they ask for people who are getting ready to retire. A lot of people don't have a clue. And then you have to start thinking about when you retire, do you have enough money to live? But you also have to start thinking about, do you have enough money for health care? I'm trying to remember, and if someone who's a little bit older can remind me, was America as freaked out about Ronald Reagan as they are about Trump? When I say freaked out, did the extremes come out? Where were we like, yeah? He was governor because when he ran for governor, people had to say things like he's an actor. What does he know about governing? I don't know if he had any other office other than governor of California and governor of uh, governor of the United States president. But he lived for 30 years after retiring. His last job, 30 plus years, and most of it was in bad health. Where a lot of people would say that when he was president, people start thinking that he forgot things. Now, that was convenient because there was the Iran Contra hearings where Oliver North, you know, was funding weapons to the Iran Contras to, you know, fight, fight the power, so to speak. But he started losing his mind and it's expensive. So what do you want your retirement to look like? It was awesome for Reagan to be able to have enough money, government money and his own personal money, to hide. He was able to deal with his health in in relative privacy. But it was expensive. So what do you want to do in your life? What do you want to do when you retire? And what do you want to do about funding retirement if your health goes bad? CFP Chad Burton does the show here Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 6 a.m. And listening this morning, I was stunned to hear that his kid works at 7-Eleven. I think it's awesome that he has his, he instills in his kids a work ethic. 
He doesn't have to. He has more than enough money. But I think it's great. So do I want his kid working at 7-Eleven in retirement? Maybe. Brings up a lot of questions. What do you do in retirement? I told you that in retirement, I want to go back and get some college class work in. Not because I didn't finish college. Not because of anything like that. Because I did. But because I kind of just want to see what smart people look like and hang out with people that are learning and teaching. And, you know, at 65, I won't care if I fail a test. I won't even study, right? But that's one of my goals. And do I want to teach people? Do I want to be a college teacher? Probably not. If I do anything with teaching people on money, it'll probably be through churches or youth groups or something like that. And I trust me, I know when I talk to a youth that they're looking at me like, none of this is going to sink in, dude. But if one thing does, I always feel pretty good about it. I always feel pretty good when someone comes back to me and says, you helped me. So do me a favor when I do die, because I will die, is line up at my house with a candle. I want it to be like that, that scene from Pay It Forward. Where the kid was a nice kid, and Haley Joel Osment was a nice kid to other people, and I want to say he died. Maybe I didn't see the movie, I just saw the end of the movie. I have no clue what the movie was about, I'll be honest with you. But, so he dies as a kid, and like, mom and dad are, are crying, and they're sitting in the living room, and like, he died. And the doorbell rings, and there's one person, and they say something nice about their kid. And then you look, and the camera pans out, and there's a line of like... 40,000 people. It's like Field of Dreams. I have daddy issues. Field of Dreams is one of my favorite movies, and I think people who have favorite movies are goofballs. But like, I think you should have a favorite horror movie. I think you should have a favorite you know, movie that makes you cry. I think you should have a favorite comedy. And sometimes those have to change, because like Arthur, if you watch it today, not so funny. Arthur in the 1970s, uh, a, a raging alcoholic who couldn't control himself, was pretty funny. Not so much today. Anyhow, and anyway, um, what are you going to do in retirement? What's it look like? How are you going to fund it? What if your health goes bad? Are you happy that you did everything you wanted? Or are you going to be a bitter old man that you didn't accomplish everything you wanted to do? I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. We'll chat soon. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I always have seminars coming up. If you use the code RADIO25, RADIO25, you can get in for free if you're a first-time radio listener. Um, I'd love to see you, because again, something will stick. That's my goal. and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. It's my lady friend, Swift. Do I know Taylor? Of course I don't know Taylor. Whoa. Nobody trusts me. She's like... I gotta be careful what I say as far as comparisons to Kanye, but she's very similar to Kanye. 
you know what I'm saying. One of the big stories that I get on a regular basis, one of the big questions I get, is college worth it? A lot of people say, how do I afford college? And then it's followed up with the thought of, is it worth it? And if you've ever sent a child to school, to college, it's expensive. Whether you're buying books or tuition, room and board, you tell me where it's cheap. The corruption of the college tuition system has ruined the country, in my opinion. Not today, but 20 years down the road, I think we're going to look back and we're going to say, this is messed up. The price of tuition has gone up higher than inflation every single year since 1978. Student loan debt is now $1.5 trillion. Americans and America has so much debt that we're going to become dependent on other countries like China, Mexico, Europe, and Canada. We rock the debt. So when you see people like President Donald Trump fighting for more equality in trade, it makes a little bit of sense. Because we're buying a lot of stuff on credit. Not because there should be more equality, but because we're buying a lot of stuff on credit. I'm usually too much of an optimist to talk like this, but as a father, as a person who looks to the future, there's a lot of negatives that weren't there, a lot of barriers that weren't there when I was young. When someone talks about global warming, I usually think, you know, hey, alternative energy solutions, we're working on it, we got a plan. I, I know there's a problem there. When someone tells me automations will crush jobs, I go, well, ATMs were supposed to put bank tellers out of business. It didn't. It cut down dramatically. And ATMs, as far as cost savings go, created a bank on every corner. Every corner. When people tell me... I'm fat and ugly. I go, you're right. The thing where I get negative, because I can do something about my weight, right? Where I get negative is the American debt. I went to New York City as a young man, and I remember seeing that national debt clock. And it was crazy. How much debt we're piling on every second, every minute. And it just, it keeps rolling. It shows us what our debt is. And if that's not enough to wake us up and say, wake up, pay attention. Our debt in the United States is over $21 trillion. Now just go write that down. And then write down like 2% or times it by 2% so you can see what, you know, what our interest is. And that's cheap. The United States has to pay $276 billion this year to service the $21 trillion debt. That's crazy. If you subtract out what the U.S. owes the U.S., the national debt is around $15 trillion. So we've, we've loaned ourselves $6 trillion. How do you loan yourself $6 trillion? You call the Treasury and say, fire up the, the printers, and you print money. 
Now, what does that do? That weakens the dollar because you just made more of them. If your salary was $100,000 and you had to pay $4,000 a year to service all of your debt, you'd say, no problem. Let's take on more debt. So I get people looking the other way. Somewhere between 4 and 7% is the problem. There are only... I'm not going to say I like to garden, but... I kind of like to like maintain a lawn, maintain a home, and you can only put so much poop in your garden until it smells bad. And we've got so much debt, i.e. poop, and we keep putting it into our economy, it's starting to get worse and worse smelling. What went wrong was the government started backing student loans in 1965. It was a seemingly generous idea. Let's help the less fortunate get a higher education so they can be more competitive. But unfortunately, it failed due to corruption, due to lousy politics, lousy economics, lack of understanding basic finance, and a ton of other reasons. When the government got in and started subsidizing student loans and started helping people get loans, the price of tuition went higher because of corruption. Corruption on the collegiate level, corruption on the state level, corruption on the government level. College presidents are simply charging more without thinking about the future consequences of the country. And I blame them. It's not going to be made into a movie. It's not going to be dramatic. But our student debt now is $1.5 trillion. In 2003... Let's call that 15 years ago, roughly. It was $241 million. $241 million sounded like a big nut. Now it's $1.5 trillion and growing. Everyone is brainwashed and thinking they need college to have a satisfying social experience from 18 to 22. You worked hard in elementary and high school. You deserve to go to college and get drunk and meet the people of the opposite sex. And maybe get a degree while you're at it. <clears throat> There's a social feel to it. So an 18-year-old whose brain is inclined to take more risks is being offered $250,000 a loan. They say, sure, why not? Now, the funny thing is, when you're 18, you can't even drink beer. You can go to war, but you can't drink beer. You can take $250,000 in loans, but you can't drink a beer legally. Who's the big loser here? It's the middle class. The rich, I'd say I.E. me, but I don't want to come across as a jerk. But I am a jerk. The rich can afford to send their kids to college. The middle class and the lower class can't. They get financial aid and they take on debt. Or... They take on blue-collar jobs if you don't go to college. So it's interesting to know, like, I've never seen a poor plumber. I've never seen a poor electrician. So there are jobs out there that don't require a four-year degree. But we've been brainwashed into thinking we have to send our kids to higher education. And for some reason, blue-collar jobs, like being a plumber or an electrician, are looked down on. 
get ranges if you talk to young people today. It could go from twenty five thousand to one hundred thousand plus. I've seen some people four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars in debt who've gone on to become doctors, and then they're miserable because they have so much debt, but they're a doctor. Student loan debt is about thirty seven thousand one hundred seventy two dollars now, average. The middle class it doesn't really benefit much from the financial aid. Because the financial aid is small. Student loan debt is the only debt you cannot get rid of in bankruptcy. And I think that's going to be a problem down the road. You can get rid of mortgage debt, credit card debt, any other debt. But because the government got their fingers in it, they say you're going to owe us for life. As we continue to push more people to graduate and take risks like take it on more money to go to college, we kill the ability to have a society with innovators and mentors, entrepreneurs and artists. In large part because they're being told how to act at their at their in their careers. And it's kind of backwards if you think about it. <clears throat> We're encouraging people to take on debt. It ties them down, it slows them down. They're the young people of America. And at the same time, we're losing out because we need innovators. Innovators typically don't go to college. We need artists. We need entrepreneurs. Now, there are some colleges that really specialize in creating entrepreneurs like Stanford. Yay, Stanford. Um, But... All of this debt is going to crush America 20, 30 years down the road. Income inequality is going to get greater than ever. Class inequality is going to give rise to more Bernie Sanders and Donald Trumps. An entire generation of innovation is going to disappear, giving China and other countries a chance to pass us in technologies like biotech, alternative energy, internet. Money is going to flee the country down the road because the rich aren't going to be stupid. We're going to have to become more friendly to Canada, Mexico, Europe, and China because of our lining middle class. Will they be nice to us? That's a good question. So we're all advanced, but we're getting these degrees that are a little on the thin side that cost a lot of money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking money and I'll more. I just talked about millennials and the amazing amount of debt we're putting on the value of college. And I think I came across as a little bit negative. I think the United States is doomed, and we're going to need Canada, Mexico, Europe, and China, because we're going to have a declining middle class for the foreseeable future. 
I think money's going to flee the country. Whether you're innovators or entrepreneurs, the people who have money are going to start saying, I don't want to pay those taxes. We're seeing more and more Americans renounce their citizenship as they retire overseas. But as you know, the debt bills come due, we're not going to turn into Greece or Italy, but maybe. You're saying, what's wrong with Italy? Italy's got a lot of debt. They don't, what they offer their citizens is crap for what they pay. It's a great sick country to visit, but I don't know. As classes get angrier at each other, political candidates get more extreme. And I don't want to get too dramatic, but you kind of have to think back to Germany in 1933 when Germany was poor, incredibly poor country. It led to the rise of an extreme candidate who promised prosperity for the poor. Will the ramifications of extreme college debt and extreme college cost and corruption on the, on the presidential level of a college create you know, angrier Americans? You betcha. So one of the things I've always been impressed uh, with is people who come out of college, who drop out of college, like Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg. They had an idea. They ran with it. So we're going to become much more debt-dependent because there's not a lot of Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerbergs. So what's the solution? Force tuitions to go down? It's never going to happen. Stop backing student loans as a government? This will never happen because we've been ingrained as a society that everyone deserves a higher education, which is untrue. And a myth, but people still believe it strongly. You've heard me say numerous times on this radio show through 20 years, I feel blessed. I feel lucky that I was born, and I know this is going to sound shocking, white, male, into a, into a family that expected their children to go to college. I wasn't born in Iowa where my daddy was a farmer. I wasn't built in Mississippi where my daddy worked on a boat. I was born with the expectation of going to college. And when I went to college, it was much more affordable. I could deliver pizza and pay for college. I can get a tuition. I can get a uh, scholarship. I can get government loans that covered a large chunk of it. Now it's just a joke. So do I think our government will ever stop backing student loans? No. Do I feel fortunate that I was born to parents that expect me to go? If you have kids today, I don't know if I have the answer for you. Is college worth it? You can say adjust tuition you know, based on a major. Is that ever going to happen? It should. Should a chemical engineer, a mechanical engineer pay more than a poetry major or a teacher? I can't even imagine sending a kid to school and they, then they come home and say, I want to be a school teacher. And you're like, wow, you're going to work for forty dollars to $60,000 a year after I just spent $250,000 to send you to college. That's, whew. I don't know. So adjust tuition based on major. I don't think it's ever going to happen. 
Google doesn't require employees to have a college degree. Visa doesn't require people to have a college degree. They actually look for people who have philosophy majors and art majors because they think it rounds out their workforce. The myth of higher education is so baked into our society that it's a hard argument to tell an 18-year-old kid not to take out a quarter of a million dollars in loans for a useless degree. History majors? Oof. I don't know. I don't know, man. Archaeology? Um, I'm, not, I'm not slamming the careers. I'm just telling you that it's tough to justify that, that investment. So companies like Google and Oracle and Facebook, Microsoft, Amazon, they're going to have to set up some sort of bridge between high school and college if they want to continue to hire the, the brightest and the best. Because we can't keep asking our kids to graduate college with $250,000 in debt and then expect them to get an apartment in New York or Seattle or San Francisco. It's not going to happen. Can we cut down on the corruption on the, the college level? Probably not. Kickbacks to companies that facilitate college loans. There's evidence out there, you know, that there's kickbacks. A lot of college presidents make millions in salaries. Not because of, well, because they're able to get more money for the school. So corruption has a tendency to get bigger, not smaller, in my opinion. I think we need to reduce demand. Price is always a function of supply and demand. If you reduce the demand for college, prices will be forced to go down. That's a solution. We could start selling future income. What if a college graduate says, I'll sell off 10% of my future earnings for free college? <clears throat> that creates an exchange. There's ideas out there. I'm still an optimist. This generation of children are going to they're going to take on a lot of debt. And more and more it's going to lead to the death of the middle class in the United States. It's going to lead to depression, violence, recessions, income inequality and much much more. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money investing and more. Yeah. Oh, yeah.